Hey, welcome everyone to Learn As You Grow. I am your host, Pat Phelps, and in this first episode, I am going to give you a little bit uh, of a backstory of who I am, why you should listen to me, and uh, some of the things we'll be covering throughout this podcast. So let's go. So before I took my first breath, my mother at the age of 17 was asked to have an abortion. And that hit me pretty hard whenever I found out as an adult uh, because the person who asked her was actually my father. Uh, my dad was 19, my mother was 17, and they were very young, you know, type type situation. They weren't married, and uh, my mother got pregnant. Luckily, <laughs> she decided to keep me, and they ended up getting married. And so by the uh, time I was two years old, they actually divorced. And my dad won custody, and, you know, I lived with him for a long time. And uh, both situations were pretty bad. My dad actually uh, remarried pretty quickly, and uh, my mother moved around for a little while from guy to guy. She didn't get married again until I was uh, five years old, actually. Uh, Well, my mother uh, got pregnant again after my dad left her and my dad and my first stepmom uh got pregnant so by the age of 3 my second brother that was from my dad and my stepmom uh only lived 33 days and his name was Seth i remember holding him i remember helping making his bottles i remember uh taking a picture with him specifically uh, my grandma took the picture as one of those photo, one of those cameras where, uh, you know, it's like a snapshot camera where when you take the picture, it shoots the uh, image out immediately and you got to kind of shake it and, you know, wait like 30 seconds before the image starts showing up. Anyways, that was my brother, Seth, and I was three years old and he lived for 33 days and died of SIDS. Uh, my parents, both of them, my mom and my dad, uh, were very, very poor. Uh, so I grew up in a very poor environment. Um, I remember living in houses that were, uh, you could, you could literally walk through the hall and see the ground because it was rotting through so bad. Um, I lived in a patio, uh, a back patio where it, it might've been 150 square feet, uh, with my dad, my stepmom, and then my first sister and my second brother that my dad and stepmom had. Uh, I remember living in a motel with my mom. Whenever I'd go visit her, she was staying at a motel that was literally a bed and a bathroom. I, uh, at age, uh, at age four and five, I started being molested, sexually abused, uh, all those things, uh, and that actually went on for years from several different people. It wasn't just one person. It was like an ongoing thing between several different people. Uh, We were so poor, like, I would get a new pair of shoes every year for school, and about two months in, my my feet would be hanging out the sides. My, You know, I'd outgrow them or whatever, and my toes would be hanging out. And, uh, you know, that was the only pair of shoes that I got, unless, you know... Santa Claus brought me a new pair, which was, uh, you know, and then again, that's like 
something you get for Christmas is a new pair of shoes. So two pairs of shoes every year, you know, whatever. It's not as bad as some people. So I am grateful for what I did have because as a kid, I didn't realize how bad my situation was until I got out of it. Um, I lived in probably 20 or 30 different places before I was 15 years old. And uh, all of them were trailers. They were run down. Uh, if they weren't trailers, they were campers and motels. Uh, lived in different trailer parks. Uh, just a tough situation for any kid, you know. And like I said, when you are a kid, you don't actually realize where you're at until you get a little older where you start seeing other kids and, like, you know, you want what they have. Like, I remember in fifth grade, I was really interested in shoes. I liked shoes. Uh, I liked the Nikes. I liked, you know, Jordans and all those things because it was something I've never had and I always wanted them. Anyways, I started realizing that other kids had these things uh, that I wanted. And I remember asking a kid, he walked in uh, after Christmas with some new uh, Nikes on and I really liked them. And I had, you know, after Christmas, I had just gotten my new uh, Walmart shoes, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, I was walking around with the Z starter shoes or whatever. Anyways, I asked this kid, I said, hey, how much were those shoes, man? I like your shoes. And, uh, you know, he told me the price and I was just like, wow, you know, I obviously I will never have those kinds of shoes. And they were like a hundred dollar pair of shoes or whatever. And uh, in my mind, I was like, man, I really wish I could have those. And so obviously, you know, whenever I grew up and finally got a job, I, the first thing I did was bought all kinds of shoes. And like, I literally had every check went to shoes, uh, I guess, just because of the desire I had as a little kid. You know, you you want something that you've never had. The first thing you're going to do in, in your life, especially when you start getting money, is uh, most likely try to go get it. Anyways, uh, I don't mean to ramble, but so my life consisted of struggle. It consisted of pain. It consisted of, you know, a dark, being in a dark place. Um, I remember living with family and uh, my older cousin. He was more like an uncle because he was pretty much my dad's age. He uh, he would literally sit on live video chats with with uh naked girls in you know uh the chat rooms or whatever back in the day when they had like hotmail and AOL chat rooms uh he would video chat with girls uh while his wife was at work and and the way that it was set up was the computer screen was facing the living room so he was sitting facing the wall and like so his back was to me or whatever and he would just sit there and watch that stuff and like the screen was facing right at us uh, kids, you know, and I was probably 11 or 12 years old. And, you know, at that age, you know, I'm starting to go through puberty and whatever, and like my life is changing. So, you know, I wasn't complaining about it. But looking back now, it's like, wow, I really lived in that kind of environment. Um, anyways, I say all that to say this. I went through a lot. I did a lot of uh, things wrong I, I actually look back now and like I actually have so much gratitude for everything that went down in my life because um, without all of that I would not have the perspective 
of life that I have now. And it is a perspective that comes purely from gratitude. Like I am just so grateful um, to have been through all of that. Like if I didn't go through some of those things, there are some people out there that I wouldn't be able to connect with and wouldn't be able to help and wouldn't be able to truly understand where they're coming from. Um, you know, and I, luckily for me, I, I grew up in church as well. So that, that was kind of my anchor, you know, because you could have, you could have two people in the exact same home, exact same, you know, let's say they're twins in the exact same home, uh, exact same environment, exact same situations happen to them each and every day. And one of them chooses to make something good out of everything bad that happened. And then the other one chooses to use everything that ba- everything bad that happened to them as an excuse to do and live however they want. You know, they might get off on drugs and they might, you know, end up in prison or whatever. And the statistics definitely lean that way for people that have been in my situation. But um, I actually had a turning point in my life uh, whenever I was about 13 years old. I had done what was what had always been done to me, if I could say it like that. Um, man, this is tough to say, and I did not expect to get on this <laughs> in the very first episode. But um, I want to keep this uh, this podcast real with you guys. So, uh, anyways, I had done what had always been done to me, and I sexually abused someone. And my life completely turned around. Uh, everything that I knew had changed. My cousin actually t- told the principal of my school that I had raped this person, which wasn't true. But, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, you know, what's the difference really, you know? Um. Anyways, so the principal, I remember I was sitting in ninth grade. I had, you know, I had just started ninth grade. And I was waiting for my um, for my welding class. I was taking a welding class. And it was the day of the welding test. It was like, you know, the first test of our, our class or whatever. And uh, the bell was about to ring, and I was just about to go to welding class. And, and uh, you know, the voice came over the intercom and said, Patrick Phelps, you're needed to the principal's office. You know, and all the kids are like, oh, you're in trouble. And so I get up and I go to the principal's office and the principal sits me down and says, hey, this person came to me and said that you raped this person. And everything around me just like completely was shattered because like I literally did not know what to do. And what made it worse was the principal was like, look, anytime something like this happens, we immediately have to involve CPS. We have to involve the police. And I'm also going to need you to call your dad. And when he told me to call my dad, like, I know you, you don't realize now, but like my, like (laughs) I had so much reverence for my father. Um, you know, my dad disciplined me well. He spanked me a lot type stuff. And he really held a high standard for respect and for doing 
what I'm told and, and those kinds of things. And so when I was told to call my father, all I could think was like, he, like, he's not even going to be able to handle this. Like, he's going to kill me. And so, <clears throat> anyways, I whenever he, also whenever the principal said CPS, I was like, well, you know, I know what CPS is because I've had to deal with them a lot throughout my life. Like, just different people calling CPS on my parents and, you know, stuff like that. They would randomly show up and just do audits of our entire home and, like, check our refrigerator and you know, things like that. So I guess people were calling on us. I don't, I don't actually know, but I did know what CPS was. And, uh, anyways, so I go to the, I go to the secretary's office and I grab the phone. I'm by myself and I call my dad and I am so scared and so nervous. And my dad picks up and says, hello. And I say, Hey dad, this is uh, Patrick. I need you to come up to the school. And we rode the bus, so my dad never, like, came up to the school for anything. And so he's just like, you know, he's taken aback. He's like, what? Why? And I was like, Dad, please just, please just come up to the school. And he's like, okay, why? You know, and he wanted to know right then. And I was like, Dad, I can't explain right now. I need you to come up here. And, you know, and he's like, okay. You know, and he hangs up and he comes or whatever and uh it was a he lived we lived about you know seven or eight minutes away so it didn't take him too long and uh, i see his old white truck pull up <clears throat> and he gets out and he he's walking up the stairs and i'm just watching him in slow motion uh you know head straight towards me and he comes into the principal's office and he sits down with the principal and I am still in the secretary's room with the door closed, and I'm just waiting on them to get done. And finally, they're finished, and, you know, my world, my whole world is put on pause, and I, I just feel like time is moving in slow motion. And uh, <clears throat> we leave. We go get in the truck. And my dad says, you know, my dad is in tears. He's just shattered. And uh, he's like, son, I don't know what, what was done to you as a kid. You know, I don't, you know, and he, he kind of started asking questions. You got to understand, before this moment, that question was never asked. There was no concern of what my childhood was like. There was no concern with was I ever sexually abused before this moment? It was just like an oblivious thing to them. They they pretended, uh, well, I say pretended, they, they just didn't know. And finally, I had, that was the first time I ever had the chance to tell him what my childhood was like. And in tears, he said, there is a butterfly effect and I believe in it. He said, everything that happens to you ripples and affects everything around it until it hits the edge of the bank. When you throw a rock into the river or into the lake or whatever, it doesn't just affect the spot that it hits. That ripple effect affects things that are far, far away from where that rock hit. And uh, 
Anyways, that was profound to me because that was the first time I ever realized like my actions really do affect so many people. And just to put it into perspective, my cousin didn't just tell the principal that I raped this person. He told my friends. He told my family. He told all of my teachers. This rumor got around so quickly throughout my school that I didn't even want to show my face anywhere in town. And anyways, we get home and my dad looks at me in tears and he says, son, don't do anything stupid. You know, obviously talking about me killing myself, which, you know, whatever. The thought did get, did run through my mind. I'm not going to pretend like it didn't. And uh, anyways, long story short, we get involved with CPS. We get involved with you know, the sheriff and all these different things. And the sheriff took my entire statement. He asked me all kinds of questions. And what I did was I told the truth. Everything that he asked me, I told the truth. I did not hold anything back, anything he wanted to know. I said every single thing that he wanted to know. And the sheriff looked at me in my eyes whenever we were done and said, you are more of a man than some of these adults that come through here that just want to lie their way and try to lie their way out of trouble. He said, so when the time comes, if the judge asks me what I think should happen to you, you know, be it, uh, you know, juvenile detention, uh, probation or whatever, he said, I will tell the judge that I think you should get another chance. And so that really did a lot for me, uh, you know, hope-wise, because bottom line was I was a kid. Like I, like I said before, I I was only doing what I've what I had always, what had always been done to me. And at that time, I just couldn't even comprehend or wrap my mind around real consequences. You know, through life, I understood consequences where your dad pulls out the the paddle and. <laughs> you know, gives you a real spanking or whooping or whatever you want to call it. But I didn't understand life consequences. And so I left that meeting with the sheriff, and about two days later I had to go back up there because the CPS uh, worker was there. And the sheriff wrote everything down. The CPS lady had a recorder out, and she was not playing around. She wanted me in juvenile detention. There was no pass, go, collect $200 type situation. She wanted me gone. Uh, you know, completely understandable, whatever. Well, uh, she questioned everybody too, not just uh, the person. She questioned my parents. She questioned my brothers and sisters. She questioned everybody. Well, when my mom was in there, my mom actually pleaded for my freedom. She pleaded with the CPS worker, begging her to let me move in with her. And, you know, there's no there's no girls around. There's no uh, chance for me to do that again type stuff. Well, the CPS worker, because uh, I didn't mention this before, but by this time I had two sisters. And so the CPS worker just thought that I was out there just sexually abusing everybody. Um, 
you know. Anyways, so <laughs> my mom begs this lady, and my mom just had me and my my first brother. So uh, the CPS lady cut her a deal and said that I could move in with her, but I was not allow allowed to be around my sisters or any other girl for that matter until I was over the age of 18. So this was my life. You know, 13, 14 years old, I, everything was taken from me. Like I was in public school. I now had to be homeschooled. I was not allowed around any girls. Uh, I went to church, but I was not allowed to go to class. Like I couldn't go to the back. I couldn't you know, go get a drink of water without supervision. Like, I was looked at as a real predator, like a real, and, you know, it kind of sickens me to say this, you know, talking about it now, it was over 15, you know, it was about 15 years ago now, but um, that's who I was as a kid. I was damaged. I was broken. I was a mess, like, my entire life. And so... I was a product of my environment. And whenever I moved in with my mother, that's whenever everything kind of took a turn for the better with me because I was no longer in a situation where things could go wrong as far as like sexually abusing or like, you know, being put in a situation where I was sexually abused. But um, I started learning things. I started caring about who I was. I started noticing how I carried myself. I was literally so insecure before this moment. I was insecure about the way I looked. I was insecure about my teeth. I was insecure, you know, about my uh, my face. I was insecure about my clothes. I remember in uh, in like fifth grade, one one of my friends said, "Pat, you smell like a pack of cigarettes, dude," because, <laughs> by the way, my parents also smoked. So that just helped everything, right? I was just so insecure. Like I could not, like I just wanted nice clothes. I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be around other people who would accept me. I wanted to be, I wanted to have friends. I wanted to have a real girlfriend that, you know, uh, actually wanted to be with me and wanted to, you know, hang out and go do things and whatever. Like I've, I had never had that up to this point. And so when I moved in with my mom, the only thing that I was that I got away with, you know, with the whole rules thing, the whole rules about not being around girls and stuff was I was allowed to go to church camp. And church camp changed everything for me because nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew my background. Nobody knew my story. They didn't hear the rumors that were spread about me. I was the man at church camp. I was the person that, you know, I could, you know, whatever. I was athletic. Uh, I was, I was considered good looking amongst the girls. So I was able to get plenty of phone numbers. <laughs> uh, it was just the place that I wanted to be. And I loved it. Like literally it was the first time that I was ever actually accepted. And so, uh, everything changed for me whenever I started going to church camp and, you know, fast forward now, I have three, I have three beautiful daughters who I love so much. And my oldest daughter at the time of recording this is four years old. The exact age that, you know, that I was 
started getting sexually abused and all of those things. And it is my goal and my mission to make sure that they are, all three of my daughters are protected, uh, well taken care of. And not, not only that, but to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they can be confident, that they can do great things, that they can change the world. And it is my mission to instill that in them uh, because, guys, look, all of that did, all, all everything that happened to me, what it did for me was actually helped me because it created in me a great story that I can share. And, yeah, it's dirty and it's ugly and it's dark, but that story I can share for the rest of my life is not something that you just get out of, you know, out of a movie or, or something that's fake. That is real. And that story will allow me to impact real people because I've been there and I've gone through it. And I've gone through some things that most people couldn't even imagine. Right? And so for my kids, I, I definitely want them to feel... Uh, you know, that they can accomplish things and be somebody without having to go through all of that, right? So, guys, I am an entrepreneur at heart. I've always been, uh, going through all of that actually gave me a desire to want to get out of it, right? I, I, I didn't want to just do what my dad did and work. And, you know, my dad is literally broken. He's in his 40s at the time of recording this. And he literally can't hardly walk because his back is pretty much broken. His neck, he's got like a slip disc. His feet are all uh, all shattered and stuff because he worked so hard at a job that did not do anything for him except get him by. And not saying, you know, if you have a job, you know, you're bad or whatever, but I did not want that life. And I still don't. And I don't want it for my kids. So I am an entrepreneur at heart. I am a businessman at heart. And I am a learner. Okay? I'll leave this one last thing with you before I let you go. I received a $10,000 guarantee the first time I ever spent money online. Okay? This was the thing that really changed my life. And uh, I'll, I'll tell the story in another episode. But my wife and I were, were headed straight for bankruptcy. We were completely sinking and drowning in debt. When I say drowning, like our income level was like maximum five grand a month. But our bills, just the bills, without eating and without gas and without, you know, the bare necessities to, to have, especially when you have kids, right, was like 6000 a month, right? So like our bills were, were literally like $1,000 more than our income. And I had no idea how to increase my income. All I knew was that I, I have to go to work and whatever, I'm trading my time for money and I got to keep this job, yada, yada, yada. But we were sinking. And it was the first time I ever spent money online and a guy said, look, I want to give you a $10,000 guarantee. Okay. So I watched the entire course. I, I went through the entire thing. It took a few hours or whatever and I learned and I learned and I learned. And at the end... They had the $10,000 guarantee, and he said, here it is. He's like, if you will read 
something that has to do with self-development every single day. And if you will listen to audio that has to do with self-development every single day. And if you will instill and, you know, uh, grow your mindset and your skill sets every single day for at least 20 minutes, I guarantee you, you will make $10,000 within 90 days or less. And he's like, it'll most likely be way more than that. He's like, but that is a guarantee. And guys, that completely changed my life. Because up until this point, I did not like reading because guess what? When my dad would get on to me or whenever I got in big trouble, I had to read. Uh, I did not care that much about self-development. You know why? Because I grew up in church and, you know, everything everything was about God or self-entertainment, right? All I wanted to do was entertain myself. I wanted what I wanted. I didn't want to do the hard work to learn and to grow. I was comfortable. And, but at that moment, I was sinking so bad, my family and I, that I was looking for something and I was ready to receive it. And whenever that hit, whenever he hit me with that $10,000 guarantee, I made a shift, a paradigm shift, if you will, in my thinking and in my actions and in my life. And to this day, I am a learn as you grow person. I have that mentality. So what is this podcast about, guys? It is the, it encompasses everything to do with learning as you grow. I am here to document my journey. I am here to fill you in on what I've gone through and what I've learned along the way. Everything that I've tried between, you know, as far as marketing goes, as far as trying to build businesses, as far as my failures that I've gone through, uh, even with raising my kids, I am here to fill you in on every single part of that. And I hope that you can come along for the journey, guys, because it is going to be a ride and I cannot wait to see, uh, you know, where everything goes and where it all takes me. And even to see some of you guys, you know, your lives change and transform uh, because of this journey of mine. And uh, I am so excited, guys. Anyways, I'm going to cut it off here. We're at the 30-minute mark. I appreciate all of you if you're listening, and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Here we go, episode number two. Today I would like to talk about how to learn and the best ways to apply the things that you learn. So let's go.